0: You're listening to the weekly wrap-up on Sprott Money News. Well, welcome back to Sprott Money News. This is your weekly wrap-up for Friday, September 23rd. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us once again this week is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning.
1: Hey, Craig. Good to be here. Uh, We have a very exciting, interesting week that's happened for us all here, so... uh we're back in the uh, the good books again, and maybe uh, looking forward to some exciting weeks uh, going forward here.
0: Very solid week, as you said, Eric. Gold, as we speak, is up about 2.5% on the week. It's been up every single day. Silver's up maybe 6.5%, and the shares are up about 6.5% on average. I guess most of it based on the central bank inaction, we'll say, from back on Wednesday. What do you make of all this?
1: Well, of course, I as you and I discussed many times, I, we, we all suspected that the fed wasn't going to do anything and of course they didn't do anything data dependent and all that and of course the data just in my mind sucks so why would they raise rates Uh, but i think the more important thing and i said this last week was what the bank of japan was likely to do and the more i reflect on what the bank of japan said and it was a little bit uneven and you had a nuance and things like that Uh, but i think what the bank of japan said we discussed last week they are going to try to change the yield curve. In other words, have the long end of the yield curve, provide a higher return to people. And when you and I discussed this last week, and the more I think about it, that we have so many people that are in pain because of negative yields or low yields. I mean, we have banks, insurance companies, pension funds, savers, and now corporations, because a corporation had one of the biggest liabilities, of course, is pension fund liabilities. If you get a no return on your pension, the payments you got to make to your pension fund start skyrocketing. And I think all of these constituencies have finally cr- uh, created a situation at the Bank of Japan where they're saying to the Bank of Japan, you can't keep doing this. There's unintended consequences which are killing us. And so there's there's more pain happening than there is reward happening. So, you know, you can be... You know, Nissan is selling more cars, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a half a billion dollars you've got to put in your pension plan. Well, thank you for making the cars more affordable, but I'm losing money because I can't, I've got to fund the pension plan. And I, you know, that's, that's what happens in this sort of thing. You, you, you benefit on one side, but you're losing on the other. And I think the unintended of consequences have kind of overwhelmed the thinking of the Bank of Japan. And it may then tend to flow into the other central banks
0: even across to the ECB, do you think, and, uh, and the Bank of England, which are also currently in, involved in their own QE programs?
1: Well, you know, they got corporations too, right? I mean, they, got the, they all have the same problem. I mean, pension funds are a huge cost to companies and cities and institutions and governments. Governments, oh, my God. You know, and if you get no return on your pension plan, and now you've got to fund the whole darn thing, including, you know, the, the 7% implied return that you didn't get, and you have to fund that. Oh, my goodness. The, the numbers are staggeringly large. And people are going to hit the wall on this stuff, okay? It's just too big. It's like a financial tsunami coming at everybody. Imagine if you had a pension fund with, you know, $100 billion in it. And you're supposed to make $7 billion and you don't. And then the the plan um, advisor says to the company, well, we need $7 billion from you, Mr. Company, to fund the return we didn't get, let alone the annual contribution he's supposed to make. It's just staggering, staggering numbers. God forbid that that the, the assets in the plan ever started going down, and then there'd be a double jeopardy there. So I, I think it's a big, big issue, and I think the Bank of Japan has obviously seen that, that it's a big problem, and they've got to raise those long rates up so that somebody, somebody somewhere in the yield curve can make some money.
0: It'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off, Eric, because as we mentioned, the yeah. ECB and the Bank of England continue with their... Uh, QE programs and then here in the US uh, when when uh, the FOMC raised rates back in December of last year they promised us as many as four rate hikes here in 2016 and so far they've delivered zero what does that tell you about what they can do
1: they're befuddled okay (laughs) there's no there's no ignition everyone's hoping for the economy will hit that point of ignition never happens, never has happened. There's so many data points which say we're languishing and it's getting worse. And there's so many real-life examples. You know, you and I talk about uh, Medicare down there. I mean, It's such a huge cost to everybody already, and the increases just keep going up and up and up, and the co-pays and the deductibles change. And, oh, my God, it's it's just a horror scene for the average person down there. Somebody wrote an interesting article. I'm forgetting who it was, but I thought it was quite good, where it said uh, the, the middle class is fallen by... 10%, which is 25 million people, have left the middle class and gone to a lower class. Mm. And he said, that is a significant amount of people, my friend. Like, And God forbid we have another 10% or another 25 million go into uh, the lower class, because it's, you just can't make ends meet
0: You're right. there.
1: So we have nothing but problems staring us in the face here economically.
0: And to add to that, the the Fed uh, is—they say their part of their mandate is to inspire inflation. Well, almost all of the inflation here in the U.S. is coming from healthcare costs. With this last month, the CPI jumping the most uh, in terms coming from healthcare costs the most since 1990, and sometimes the most ever for a one-month increase. It's uh, not the inflation they're looking for, and the the pressure, as you said, though, is on the banks, Eric. Uh, that seems to be where the, the central banks are focused as well. We've seen uh, Deutsche Bank making new all-time lows this week after the announcement that they were going to get sued by the U.S. Department of Justice. We've got the deal for Paschi in Italy seeming to be on the ropes. And I know this uh, Wells Fargo situation has really caught your attention. What do you make of that?
1: Well, of course, the problems at Deutsche Bank and Mon- Banco de Paschi are slightly different than Wells, and those are problems where you're overleveraged you have too many non-performing loans. You have too many lawsuits. You have too many obligations or liabilities, right? And and you just can't refund yourself. And I say that with respect to Joy bank and Michael passion. I think the Wells Fargo thing is more of a demoralizing event. It's just sickening that there would be a culture of opening up two million bank accounts. So that somebody can phony bank accounts. So somebody could pretend that they're doing a good job and get paid some big bonus. But the worst part is we find out now that the whistleblowers were fired. The guys who were phoning the, uh, the hotline, the Wells Fargo hotline, and say, we have an issue here, they end up getting fired. So not only was there a fraud committed, but the, the cover-up was, was even worse than the fraud in a way. I mean, you're supposed to have these you know, hotlines so that you, you have a fair hearing. The guy phones the hotline, and next thing you know, he gets dumped. So that, to me, is just totally horrible. The, the view that people are going to have of banks, it's already bad enough you get nothing uh, on your deposit of the bank, but to take on all the risk of the bank and all of the, the uh, reputational damage that's being done to banks here with all of the fraud. And here we go again. Now we create... Uh, bank accounts and who who issue credit cards that people don't even know about. I mean, it's just, it's sickening to to be brutally honest. And I think, you know, the American population is going to get damn tired of the whole thing.
0: Between their dishonesty and the negative interest rates that are coming and the war on cash, that augurs pretty well to just buy yourself some physical gold and silver, doesn't it?
1: (laughs) You would think so, wouldn't you? Like, you know, and of course, none of that, but they've done well, right? So let's do the comparison. Uh, you got your money in a bank, and maybe you, and you got no interest. Now, you got your money in gold, and luckily this year, the gold guy's made whatever it is, 23, 25%. The silver guy's made whatever he's made, uh, 30 odd percent or 33%. That's not a bad comparison, you know? And maybe if you keep your money in the bank for the next 30 years, oh, funny, you'll still make nothing. But if you have it in gold, I'm pretty certain you're going to make a pretty fancy return here, and maybe a spectacular return looking out because everybody in the world should be going there. Okay. Everybody in every country should be going there. We don't, the the economic recovery is a ruse. The uh, situation with the banks deteriorates by the day because the credit quality is going to go down. And my biggest fear, and my biggest reason for owning gold is fear of the banking system. And that banking system fear is elevating itself by the day. So get your money out of the bank and get it into gold and silver and um, don't keep your gold and silver at the bank.
0: And speaking of, of gold and silver and having great returns, gosh, we've really seen great returns in the companies that get that stuff out of the ground. And though the mining shares have had a bit of a correction over the last six weeks, uh, they bounced back this week, as I said, up probably about six and a half, seven percent 7% so far. There was a great article on the Sprott site yesterday. About how the ETFs and the growth of the ETFs and the popularity of the ETFs is moving the mining shares in uh, really in mass, not really on the individual fundamentals. I want to direct everybody to read that, but I know you've got some thoughts on on how the ETFs impact the markets as well.
1: Sure. Well, uh, the impacts the the ETFs are very, very, very important, and they become important because I think most. People investing in gold and silver shares don't have a research department to do the work. Okay, so what do you do? Well, let's just go buy the proxy for all the various mining companies. We'll let uh, the administrator of the ETF determine what should be in there, and we'll just we're just going to play the shares through the ETF. So you get huge, huge volumes of buying and conversely selling if people you know selling ETFs. Uh, and I'll just give you one example. There's a stock that I happen to have a big position in that got put into the uh, GDXJ last Friday, and the administrator had to buy 10% of the company to wow. get the weighting. So it just shows you how significant they are, right? They're, it, it's a, and it's ongoing. Eh? If people keep buying these things, and I. it's funny. I'm starting to spend a lot more time looking at the volume of the GDX and the GDXJ to try to measure you know, the ongoing buying power coming into these shares because uh, there's a lot of money coming into those ETFs every day, and, it, and they got to go and, of course, re, rebalance the basket at the end of each day. So it has a very meaningful influence and in Of course, the reason it's going in is the, the, the mainline institutions are coming around to gold. I mean, you and I can see it. I see more guys, oh, yeah, we own 5% in gold or recommend 5% in gold or 10% or whatever. Of course, we know nobody has 5%. I shouldn't say nobody, but we know the world doesn't, because the, the weighting in gold is like 0.2 of 1% for the world. So not many people can be at five. And, of course, then there's some idiots like you and I that probably have 80% of our money in precious metals. <laughs> so and we're skewing it right there, right?
0: Yes, we are.
1: <laughs> well, we're, we're, sometimes we're lucky idiots, right?
0: That's right. Well, and, and, and to that end, we're moving toward now the end of the third quarter. And it'll be interesting to see how that investment landscape changes now in the fourth quarter with right. gold and silver and the mining shares being such big winners. Your final question today, uh, what do you expect here as we head into the last quarter of 2016? Are you sure. Do you have some optimistic well, thoughts to share?
1: Well, I do. I mean, I, I just think of, you know, people probably underestimate what the change in the gold price does. And I just it's running through in my mind. You know an example that I have, and well, what a hundred dollar move in the price of gold do? And it would um, effectively, in this one example, change the guy's cash flow by twenty or thirty percent. Twenty percent of this guy's market cap, and take the the company up by $300 dollars. And kind of man, the impact of these price changes is so dramatic. And of course, it's different in different countries depending on the strength or weakness of the currency, right? And that's mm-hmm. why the Australian. Stocks led the parade early because their currency was so weak. Uh, Canada's currency is weak, so we have a pretty fancy price for gold in Canada, it's about almost seventeen fifty an ounce up here in Canadian dollars. So these mining companies, I mean, these these marginal increase in the price of gold, man, they hit the profit line very, very well. And uh, so, so you can get very quick moves. And you can have a like a six or seven percent move in the gold price, and you get a twenty five percent move in the stock price. So that's. That's the leverage that you're buying into here, and uh, it seems to be manifesting itself in the stocks. I, I couldn't believe, I guess it was on uh, Wednesday, when we had an 8% move in the, the ETFs that day. 8% in the day. Man, when they want to go, they just go. So it looks, looks pretty good going forward.
0: Sure does. It'll be fun to speak with you next Friday, and we'll see where things are wrapping up for the quarter, and we'll begin to make some plans for the fourth quarter. Eric, thank you so much for spending some time with us again today. I hope you have a great weekend.
1: Okay, you too. All the best, Craig.
0: And from everybody here at Sprott Money News, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.